0: Well, we are in a new year, and we started a new series called um, Open Doors to a New Year. And last week, we took a look at opening doors to a new you, not to the same you of, of a new year, but a new you for a new year by asking three questions. What do I need to put off and what do I need to put on? What, what doors are opening and what doors are closed? And what seems important and what really is important? Today we're going to take a look at convictions. Last week was about our character. This week we're going to look at our convictions. And then next week we're going to take a look at opening doors to our imagination. Now over these last several weeks we've been communicating with you that... Uh, We have found our new pastor, okay? And it's been really kind of a two-year process for us, but in this last year, we've really had some, put in some earnest effort, and so this morning, I want to allow our new pastor, I'll call him Pastor Mark, to introduce his family as they begin via video to join our spiritual family, so... It.
1: Hello LifePoint, my name is Mark Riggins, and this is my wife Ginger, and I am so excited to follow PG and serve as your next senior pastor. My wife Ginger and I have been married 24 years, and we've served in full-time ministry now for 23 years, and Ginger's going to tell you a little bit more about our family. So we have four kids. We call them our little presidents, even though they're not so little anymore. Our oldest daughter is Reagan. She is 19 and in her first year of college. Our second daughter is Kennedy. She's 17 and actually a senior in high school this year. Our son Lincoln is 15, and he's a sophomore. And our youngest daughter, Madison, is 12, and she's in seventh grade. And we are thrilled to come to Live Point and serve with you. I am so honored and humbled that PG and the board have extended this invitation to become your next senior pastor. At Life Point, you have a great reputation and history, and we're just so excited about what God has planned, and as we come there, to get to serve him and to reach the people of Collin County. So we can't wait to meet you. We can't wait to get to know you, and we look forward to seeing you very soon. Hello, Life.
0: There you go. All right. So this is Mark Riggins and his family, his wife, Ginger. As he said, they're the president's kids. Easy names to remember, right? We got Reagan, Kennedy, those are girls. Then Lincoln, a boy, and then Madison, ages 19, I think, till 12, okay? A lot more information is gonna be on the web on Monday, okay? Right now... Mark is communicating to their church in Los Gatos, okay? Calvary and an uh, a non-denominational church in California. They are being communicated to with this morning in a couple of hours. And so we're just kind of holding off that information, more details about pictures of his family, his resume, links to his different teachings so that you can come up to speed about Pastor Mark and his family. He's going to be here on January 31st, okay? Really, he's coming in about a day earlier to meet leaders in our church. You leaders are going to be given invitations. He's going to teach January 31st on a Sunday. You'll be able to meet him. COVID, safe distance, that kind of a thing, okay? So he's coming. His first day, I don't know, somewhere around March 1st or so. And so... He's going to be joining our spiritual family, and I am excited for him. He can't wait to get here. So, let's jump in to the teaching subject. We're building convictions. You and I tend to base our decisions on one of four motivations in life. Circumstances. What's happening around me. Convenience, what's easy? Criticism, what do other people think? And the last one is convictions, what matters most? Only decisions based on convictions will last. And today, I want us to talk about building your convictions as you move in to the future. Now, what is a conviction? A conviction is a deeply held belief that guides your life. It is more than an opinion. You argue about opinions. Convictions you die for. The greatest people who have had the greatest impact in life were those who had the deepest convictions. They weren't necessarily the most educated or the wealthiest or the smartest or the, uh, or the most affluent. No, they were those who had the deepest convictions. Now, if you're going to build convictions, you want to build it on those things that are lasting. In these past several weeks, I've been talking with Pastor Mark. And I asked him if he wouldn't give us a thought about God's word. And so take a look. what Mark has to say. Well thanks PG.
1: One of the things that attracted me to LifePoint is your dependence upon God's word. Now scripture tells us there are only two things that are eternal. People and God's word. And so we want to make that the priority of our lives. And I look at that and I realize that scripture is unchanging. It is eternal. It is the authority for our life. So I want to be meditating in it regularly. I want to be reading it daily. I want it to be the conversation in our home and our family to use scripture to make decisions. Our family to use scriptures to wrestle with the issues of life. At the end of the day, I want to use it to anchor all my messages each Sunday. The psalmist said in Psalm 1, Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who doesn't stand in the way of sinners or doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful or the wicked, but their delight is in the law of the Lord or in the scripture the word of God and in the law meditating day and night. And when we do that, we're like a tree planted by the rivers of water and whatever we do prospers and our leaves will not with her. that's a big big promise and i'm so grateful to be joining you life point as a church that trusts his word and i look forward to us trusting his word together
0: like mark said there's only two things that last you and i and the truth of god's word it's what you and i build our lives on it's what causes us to prosper and god's word has been here for thousands of years before us and guess what it will be here thousands of years after us. As Isaiah said, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God lasts forever. And so today, what I want to do is I want to give you some biblical convictions that I have sought to live my life by these last 40 plus years as I've walked with the Lord and what I have sought to lead Life Point in. Now, in talking about these convictions, I want you to know something. There are three benefits. First, you're going to understand why we do what we do around here. There are certain convictions that motivate us around here to do what we do for these last 32 years. But secondly, you're going to understand why we get criticized. Not everybody likes us. When you live your life by conviction, folks, understand this. You're going to be criticized. The moment you hang your sign up to do business, someone's going to throw rocks at it, okay? And so with that, I want you to understand with every conviction, there is an implication. And with every conviction, there is opposition. Things that you need to be aware of. But the third benefit is that you will have a framework for which you can build your life upon. So these six things I will go to the mat for. And the first one is simply this. That it's all about God. It's not about politics. It's not about profit. It's not about personality. This church has not been built on me. And it's not going to be built on Pastor Mark. This church is all about God. As Rick Warren said in his Purpose Driven Life book, in his very first line, it's not about you. Those two phrases, it's not about you and it's all about God, go together. And until you understand those two things, folks, life isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. And either will this church. Because the goal of this church isn't personality. It's not politics. It's not power. It's not prestige. It's not possessions. No, the goal of this church is to magnify and enlarge God. Paul says this in Romans chapter 11, 36. For everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power. And everything is intended for his glory. Will you circle that last phrase? Intended for his glory. For his glory. Now, what is the implication of that? Well, if it's not about me and it's all about God, then the implication is simply this loving God is my first priority. This fits into the great commandment out of Matthew 22 love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment folks nothing tops this one if you miss this you have wasted your life truly from a personal perspective this is the reason I do what I do folks I love Jesus Christ with all my heart he saved me he made me to love him and you know what I do I love him Now, a lot of times what happens in any relationship is that we become over-familiar with that person, don't we? And we begin to take them for granted. And so what we need to do is we need to remember and relate, in this sense, all that God has done for us and how he really loves us in spite of our flops, failures, and fumbles. Now, let me warn you. If you put Jesus Christ first in your life, in your neighborhood, on the soccer fields of life, at your workplace, you will face opposition. Jesus said it like this in John 15, people will do to you exactly what they did to me. They will do it because you belong to me, and they don't know the one who sent me. What did they do to Jesus? They misunderstood him. They judged him. They lied to him. They harassed him. And they killed him. If you live for Jesus Christ, if you love Jesus Christ with all your heart, folks, it's gonna upset people around you. You've heard me share this story that once my wife and I came to know Christ, our families, we would come to family reunions And all the adults, and we were adults, would sit at the adult table. Guess where Cheryl and I got to sit? Over there with the kids. Now, why is there this kind of opposition? Well, for a number of reasons. One is materialism. When people love money more than they love God, and you love God, guess what? It makes them nervous. I love this church. We talk openly about money and finances here. In the month of what, November, December, we pushed missions. We raised $68,000 for our local and global partners. That is awesome. During a time of a pandemic, we're not thinking of ourselves. We're saying, hey, it's about people who are hurting. And there's a lot of organizations that are hurting. And we're going to be distributing that money in these next few weeks. But materialism makes people nervous. The other one is an immoral lifestyle. Some people love immorality more than they love God. And when they are around a person that loves God, they know they need to adjust. And guess what? It irritates the living daylights out of them. And I think the third reason is just peer pressure. They want you to build your life Around them. And when you don't, it causes resistance. And so, the first conviction that I have, that I have sought to lead Life Point in for 32 years, is folks, it's all about God. And that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second conviction is this only the church will last. No business will last, no government will last, no nation will last. Only the church will last. Jesus said this out of Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. No idea, folks, is bigger than the church. Facebook is not bigger than the church Instagram is not bigger than the church. The internet is not bigger than the church. Church is the biggest idea that this earth has ever heard of or experienced. Now let me explain this. The church is not a building. It is the family of God. That's why I oftentimes say, "Hey, this is our family." The Riggin's family is joining our spiritual family in eternity past God said you know what I want a family why I don't know he just wanted a family okay and so he built the universe so as to build our solar system so as to build our planet and he built our planet in such a way that it would sustain life so that you could be made and he said you know what if you choose to love me freely and willingly I want to take you home to be in my eternal family in heaven forever. When you and I look up at the sky, and I don't know about you, I had COVID, I don't know, three weeks ago, whatever it is, and I found myself, and I hate watching TV, but I found myself binging on National Geographic. I don't know all the other hot shows that are out there, but I love nature, okay? And I'm watching these National Geographic's of flyovers, and the commentator is talking about how insignificant we are compared to the world that we're in. And when I hear that, I says, you got it wrong. It was made for God's family. It just shows how significant I am and you Now God's family is called the church. And the church will exist forever. Everything comes and goes. The Greek empire came and it left. The Roman empire came and it left. The United States empire has come and folks, it will go. Nothing man-made will last forever. But there will always be a church. Personally, I have decided to give my entire life, adult life at least, to the church. To serve this church. And I'm not going anywhere. Mark is gonna be my senior pastor. And I'm gonna support him. I'm gonna love on him. Now there may be times when you won't see me. I want to go see my new grandson. He's out in D.C. of all places. There's always got to be one in the family that leaves the nest, right? But he's got... David and Sarah have my grandson, and he's mine. Just on loan to them. And I want him to know me. And I want to pour my life into him. My mom is 87 years old. She lives up in Missouri and I hope she's around a lot long, a lot, a lot, more days than just 87 years. But I want to go up there and I want to spend time with her. And I want to talk with her so she can pour into me and I can pour into my kids and my kids into their kids about our heritage. And so you may not see me every Sunday, but I'm here. Truly, I ask myself, Two questions. What is good for Life Point Church? Everything I think about okay, what's best for Life Point Church? What's best for Life Point Church? And what's best for other churches? Because it isn't just about us, and we have relationships with churches throughout the world. Now, what's the implication of this conviction? Well, since we're all going to be living together. In God's family, in eternity future, we ought to start loving the church right now. Jesus Christ died for the church because he loved the church. And you and I ought to love the church. A lot of Christians use the church for their benefit, but they don't love the church. Do you love the church? Jesus Christ died for the church. I love the church. I love this church. I love other churches. Even with all of the church's imperfections, its flops, failures, and fumbles, guess what? I still love the church. Have you noticed during this holiday season, for those of you who had family in town, that there's no such thing as a perfect family? Did you notice that with your your family? I mean, I love my kids, I love my grandkids, but guess what? (laughs) They're falling. There's no such thing as a perfect family. Every family is dysfunctional. But in spite of the imperfections that our families have, you still got to love them, don't you? Well, the same is true with the family of God. There is no such thing as a perfect family. You're not going to, if you find one, please don't join it. Come on, work with me. There's no such thing as a perfect family. But God puts love at the top. Nothing is more important than love. And so when family, physical family, comes together, you gotta stick up for family. You don't criticize family. As I listen to a lot of bloggers out there, hear them and read them, they love to criticize other churches Folks, that's not right. In fact, I know some Christians who are more interested in your politics than they are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. They want to know what party you're in. And if you're in their party, guess what? They like you. But if you're not in their party, they don't like you and they criticize you. Folks, that's not right. I'm sorry, but when you and I get to heaven, there are... There aren't going to be any card-carrying Republicans up there, and there's not going to be any card-carrying Democrats. When I, you remember Collin Creek Mall? Talk about here today, gone tomorrow. (laughs) It's gone, right? But in its heyday, that's where I used to walk and work on my messages. And there was this retired gentleman that found out as I was a pastor. And every time I was there and he would see me, he would come up to me and says, George, I want you to remember there's no such thing as card carrying. When we get to heaven, we're all going to be in God's family. Nothing is more important than love. Love. The Bible says that politics isn't as important as love. The style of worship isn't as important as love. Uh, Personality isn't as important as love. Doctrinal differences isn't as important as love. I don't care what the label may be. Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Methodists. Folks, we're all in the same family. Let me ask you this. When you were growing up with your kids, did your mom and dad like to see you argue with your, your, your brothers and sisters? I don't think so. Five times in the New Testament it says, don't fight with one another. Did you realize that? Take a look at one. 1 Corinthians 1.10. Brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to stop arguing among yourselves. Let there be real harmony so that there won't be divisions in the church. I plead with you to be one mind, united in thought and in purpose. Now the reality is, not everybody is going to agree about everything. Not everybody's going to agree on the style of worship. Not everybody's going to agree on personality. There's going to be differences between Pastor Mark and myself. Hey, hey, differences aren't right or wrong. They're just different. That's okay. There's gonna be differences between doctrinal things between believers. But guess what? We can be united in purpose. We can be united in the purposes of God because that brings unity. As you know, in the last several years, Dennis and I have had the privilege, asked by Saddleback itself to disciple a whole nation, which went over my head, But as we came there and began to work with the national team, there were different denominational backgrounds. There was Baptist. There was Independent Baptist. There was Catholic Priest. There was Presbyterian, Anglo and Franco-Presbyterian. There was Pentecostal. In fact, two weeks ago, I got a call from Douala that Apostle Kiso, can you imagine what denomination he's from? Pentecostal. I loved him with all my heart. He took me out for my first fresh fish dinner in Douala. Let me tell you, it was awesome. But that he had passed away. And yet here we all are with differences coming together, wrapped around the purposes of God. United. Jesus, in John 17, before he went to the cross... Prayed that his family, God's family, would live in harmony with one another. That they would be united so that the world would be one. Now, what is the opposition to this? Anybody who criticizes other Christians and creates conflict. Paul talks about this in Romans 16. He says, look out for those who cause people to to be against each other and who upset other people's faith. They are against the true teaching you learned, so stay away from them. The Bible says, stay away from them. Folks, that's pretty strong language, isn't it? God really considers this to be very, very important, that that people be united and not criticize one another. And if they are, hey, back off, just back off. God would rather us give thanks that we're saved, give thanks that we're in God's family, than just nitpick. This is a conviction that I've had for years that we're all in the same family. And so the first conviction is all about God, and I'm to love God with all my heart. The second conviction is that only the church will last And I shouldn't be criticizing God's family. The third conviction that I have sought to lead my life in and lead life point in is this. God expects me to love everybody else. I hope you see the pattern here, right? It's all about love. It's not about things. When I came here 32 years ago, I did demographic studies on Plano. The book was that deep took me hours and weeks to go through it. I wanted to understand this community like the back of my hand. I had a pilot friend at that time says, George, would you like to go on a plane and just kind of look over the city that you're gonna be uh, planning a church in? I said, sure. When I got in that little two-seater, one-prop job, and we were flying over Plano, and I was looking, you could see the mass of humanity coming this way. And God gave me an overwhelming Emotion of love for this community. And I started crying. I said, God, this is the place that you're going to be planning me for the rest of my life if this church will have me. It's all about love. And if you miss that, you miss a major theme of the Bible. God is love. And He says, I want you to love me first, and then I want you to love other people. This is the second greatest commandment in Mark chapter 12. The second most important commandment is love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no other commandment more important than these two. Now the natural question that comes from this is who is my neighbor? And this is not a new question. Jesus was asked that by A gentleman who was in the crowd. And we know the story that he told, don't we? The good Samaritan story. And he tells that story to make this point. Will you write this down? That your neighbor is the person you are less likely to love. That your neighbor is the person that you are less likely to love. And who might that be? Well, in this story, it falls into three categories. People who are different, people who are difficult, and people who are dangerous. People who are different. Folks, we tend to like people who are like us, right? People who are difficult. We tend to like and love the people that are lovable. And people who are dangerous. And when I say dangerous, people who have harmed you. People who would want to harm you. God says, it's easy to love people that are like you, who are lovable, who are good to you. But Jesus comes along and he raises the standard. And he says, I want to challenge you to love your enemies. I want you to love me, I want you to love the church, and I want you to love your enemies. Take a look at of Luke chapter six, verse 35. Love your enemies and do good to them. Lend and expect nothing back. You will then have a great reward, and you will be children of the Most High God. For He is good to the ungrateful and the wicked. Did you know that God is good to the wicked? He's good to the ungrateful. He's good to me when I'm wicked, He's good to me when I'm ungrateful. Let me ask you an important question. Who are your enemies? You may sit here and think, well, I don't have any enemies, Pastor George. Oh, yes, you do. Folks, I have traveled the world over, and evil exists. And there are people who would like to blow you off this planet. And yet God comes along and he says, I want you to love your enemies. You have enemies in this culture that we live in. There are people who do not want you to succeed, that they are envious. They would love to bring you harm so that you can't prosper. And yet God comes along and he says, I want you to love your enemies. And if you do, there are two benefits. One is that you will be rewarded in heaven. Honestly. Anytime you love, you're going to be rewarded. But secondly, you're going to gain a reputation because he says you will be children of the most high God. Now, what is the implication of this? Simply this, that I must respect everyone. I must show respect to everyone, Even those who I think don't deserve it. This is commanded in scripture again and again and again. 1 Peter 2 is an example. 17, show respect for everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God. Show respect for the king. Notice that it says king here. He's talking about authority. He is saying I want you to show respect for leaders who aren't even in your political party. And when Peter wrote that, you know what he said? You know who was on the throne as the authority of the leader? Nero. (laughs) Oh, he's a nice fellow to Christians, wasn't he? Honestly, there have been times in my own life when I have sat in a circle of community leaders and I have struggled with this conviction right here. Because I have heard from them some of the most absurd things that are anti-God. And yet... God has said, George, I want you to show respect. I want you to treat them with dignity. I want you to love them. Now in saying that, understand something. That God has also commanded us to to share our convictions. To show respect doesn't mean go along to get along. No. No. God wants us to share and stand up for our convictions, but to do so with gentleness and showing respect. The problem problem with our civilization is, folks, we have lost our civility. And honestly, I blame the media for that because I believe they have built a culture of incivility. Now let me tell you this. Even when you love your enemies, there's gonna be opposition because there was opposition to Jesus. In John 17, he said, when the world hates you, remember it hated me before it hated you. The world would love you if you belonged to it, but you don't. Jesus was perfect in his love, and guess what? They still killed him. So people may harass you. They may hassle you. They may seek to harm you. Don't be discouraged. Celebrate it. God's getting the glory. Keep loving like Jesus no matter what they say or no matter what they do. Now let me flip this. I wish you could be with me at different times when I've had the opportunity as our church has launched out in the community locally and globally to share the peace plan, promoting reconciliation between the church and different things in the community, in the world, equipping leaders, assisting the poor, caring for the sick, educating the, the next generation. I wish you could be there as I share how as a church we are coming to partner with them. And to see their hearts melt within them. And their eyes light up knowing that we are not there to be antagonists. But to be there truly as partners. And I praise God for the heart that this church has of living beyond its walls. The fourth conviction that I have. That I've sought to live by and to lead our church in is this. The whole world needs Jesus. Jesus said that over and over and over again. And one of the portions has been labeled the Great Commission out of Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age." This is an important verse to understand if you're gonna understand LifePoint Church. And Mark has this heart of reaching this world for Jesus Christ. And this portion of scripture has four truths in it that I don't want you to miss. First one is this, what's our assignment to go? It's not a suggestion Honestly, it's a command. If you are a follower of Christ, guess what? Jesus Christ wants you to go. Fourth, what's our task? To make disciples, to help people be purpose-driven, to know God, to worship God, to serve God, to grow in God, and to share God's story with other people. What's our authority in doing this? Jesus Christ. Not government, not business. Jesus Christ. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. What's our responsibility? To all nations. Does that include nations that hate us? Yes. Folks, I am no politician. I am a pastor. And if God opened a door in a nation that hated us, I'd be there in a heartbeat because we've already demonstrated that. Remember in the 1990s when the wall came down and Russia was opened? Our church had two mission trips into Russia. We took a team of 20, two years in a row. My son went on both of those, I believe. I know he went on one of them. I think it's what set his mind to be a pastor. We were on the streets of Moscow passing out literature and preaching the gospel. People were getting saved. Folks, I would go into hell itself if I could bring people back with me. There is no place I would not go. Now, does that include Collin County? Sure, it does. We're to go right where we are. Now, we go not because we think we're something. Not at all, folks. I don't think I'm anything. I don't think our church, we don't think of our church as, oh, you know, we're this big thing on the block. No, we go because Jesus Christ said, I will be with you and I will go anywhere that God is at. God went. He left heaven above and he came into this earth. And when Jesus got here, he said this, I did not come to condemn the world, but rather I came to save it God turns to you and me and he says I want you to be like Jesus I want you to go and I really wish more Christians would stop judging the world and seek to save it now what's the implication of this it's huge take a look at second Corinthians 5 Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and he died for all that all those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The implication is twofold here. Once you've received Christ into your life and you understand in essence, the Great Commission, two things are going to change. First, your priorities, and then secondly, your perspective. First, your priorities. You're going to understand that life isn't about you, but it's about living for Jesus Christ. And the second one is perspective. You're no longer going to regard people the way that you used to from a worldly point of view as a vote as an object, as a sex object, as an enemy, as a number, as money. No, you're gonna see them as a priceless souls that Jesus died for that have infinite value. And so what you and I are gonna do is we're gonna stop using people and we're just gonna start loving on people. Now, when you begin to share your story in Jesus' story, as you listen to other people's story, there's gonna be opposition. And that opposition is Satan. Paul makes it really clear that our warfare isn't against flesh and blood, but against the unseen spiritual forces of darkness. The fact is, Satan is alive and well. And if you think trying to reach a community that we live in, is easy, it's not. It is a challenge to reach people throughout the world. It's not easy peasy. Folks, there's opposition. So the question is how do you and I respond when that opposition comes our way? When there seems to be one obstacle after another obstacle. Well, take a look at what Paul says, in, or Jesus says in Matthew 5. Blessed are you when people insult you. Persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Will you circle the word rejoice? Jesus says two things in this portion of scripture. He says, If you get harassed or hassled or harmed, don't hate it, rejoice in it. Why? Because of the second thing. Great will be your reward. And so here he's saying, you know what? You gotta be a man of God and you gotta stand up for me. You gotta be a woman of God and you gotta stand up for me. What motivates me in doing this is like what I said earlier. The church is the greatest idea that ever hit the planet, folks. It is the hope of the world. And it is the biggest organization on this planet. 2.5 billion people. Unbelievable. Do you realize that Christianity is outpacing world growth? Do you realize that? Christianity is growing at 1.27%. And world population is growing at 1.2%. There is a spiritual awakening that is happening throughout this world and it may not be happening here. And as you look at the stats, it's not. But it's happening in Africa and in Asia and in South America. And folks, I want our church to be a part of it because God is moving throughout the world. The fifth conviction that I have is this, everything is possible with God. Jesus said this, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Folks, we got a huge God. We got a huge God. And so I say this we've got to stop saying, I can't. We got to stop lying to ourselves and saying, I can't. God looks at you, He looks at me, He looks at our church, and He says, You are a world changer. You are a marriage changer. You are a family changer. You are a cultural changer. Stop lying to yourself and saying, I can't change. Begin asking, as I said last week, the right questions. I can't change. I can't change my marriage. I can't change my family. I can't change my culture. God says nothing is impossible with him. Now, what is the implication of this? your faith Matthew Jesus said in Matthew 9 according to your faith it'll be done unto you what is the opposition to your faith it is not satan and it is not your spouse though they might look close together right i'm just kidding and it's not society it's our unbelief Jesus in Mark 6, 5 said, because of their unbelief, this was Nazareth, his hometown, where they were familiar with him, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them. And so let's believe that God is going to continue to do miracles in our lives and through our lives and in this community and in this world as God brings in our new pastor mark come on mark let's go for it the final one is this history's conclusion is inevitable in matthew 24 jesus said the good news about god's kingdom will be preached in all the world so every to every nation then the end will come the good news will be preached It will be preached to all the nations. Does that include us here? Absolutely. And then the end will come. In 1990, take that back, in 1900, 58% of the world was unreached. Today, 120 years later, only 32% of the world is unreached. Is it possible All the technology that is coming, where you can get on a plane and in 24 hours be there like this. Where you can Facebook, where you can do messages online that this world could be reached in the next generation. Absolutely. And history's conclusion is inevitable. Now when you and I know that it is all about God and we love him with all of our heart, And we love the church and we don't criticize other believers. And we love other people and we respect everybody regardless of what they say or do or their lifestyle. And we share our story and Jesus' story as we listen to other people's story. And we trust God to do miracles in us and through us. And we know that God wins in the end. God gets all the glory. And I say this Go, God. Go, God. Make it happen. God, use me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the new things that you are doing in my life, the new things that you're doing in our church's life, the new things that you're doing in our community. And God, we want to open our eyes to them. And we want to see what you're doing and we want to follow you fully. Because we know that life isn't about us, that it's about you. And that you and your graciousness have included us in to be a part of the greatest story that has ever been written and that it's all about the church. And so God, thank you for the privilege that we have of being in your family, that our names are written in the book of life. And yeah... You do some cool things through us. And yeah, you've done some cool things through us. And yes, you're gonna do some more cool things as we move into the future. God, those are exciting. But what's really exciting, God, is knowing that one day we're gonna see you with our very eyes and that we're gonna be able to touch you, to hug on you, to love on you. And it's not going to be unseen anymore, but that it's going to be seen. God, I look forward to that day. May our hearts, Lord, understand that. May we run strongly in the commands of God. The greatest commandment, and then the one that's second like it, God. I don't know where you're at in your journey But if you haven't received Christ and allowed Him to die on the cross for your sins, I can't think of a better time of the year to do it than right now as it begins where He can come in and reside within you and you can have peace knowing that your sins are forgiven. That you don't have to live with guilt but that you can live with a sense of forgiveness knowing that God totally accepts you right where you're at and that he has a future for you and if you haven't done that will you do that this morning just simply say in your heart in whatever words that you want it really doesn't matter as long as you mean it say something like God right now I know I've blown it but I need and I want your forgiveness that you offered to me through your son Jesus Christ right now I receive him Thank you for the forgiveness that I have. Come inside me and begin changing me, God. Helping me to build my life on convictions that last, God. And if you prayed that prayer, would you just let me know? You can type in New Start at 94,000. and Just shoot me an email, and I'd love to get you some literature. If you've done that this morning, and in the big house here, would you just let me know or take out a communication card and write in your name and and, and email address. I'd love to email you some stuff that'll help you with your new found journey with Christ. God, we thank you. We thank you that we're in your family. We lift all this up to you for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.